0: Praise the Lord. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. I welcome you again to our Romans teaching today. We are in Chapter 2. This is Part 9 of Chapter 2. There are 23 sessions of Chapter 1. I encourage you to avail yourself to all of those half-hour teachings there at my YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. And there you will find just verse by verse going through the Scriptures, uh, hopefully learning the Word of God. I always feel the need to say uh, before I preach, before I teach, uh, some of the things the Lord has given me to give the congregation, to give those that would hear uh, these teachings or the messages I preach, uh, what the Lord has given me. Uh, concerning certain things about how the Bible is to be heard. And one of those things is Proverbs 8 and 8. God says in Proverbs 8 and 8 that all the words of His mouth are in righteousness. And the righteousness of God is only revealed in the gospel. Romans 1, 16, 17, it's revealed in the gospel. Therefore, everything that's taught from the Bible, preached from the Bible, every person that uses the Bible, studies the Bible, must first see it through the finished work. The death, the shedding of the blood of Jesus, the work on the cross must see always see it through that. I'm not talking about coming in through that avenue, which of course all have to do to be saved. I'm talking about today when you open the Bible, the Holy Spirit, before he can reveal truth written, he has to reveal the living word who is our truth first. Yes, we heard about him through the written word. But when we heard about Him and what He did at Calvary, that was our entrance upon our faith in Him and what He did at Calvary into the kingdom. And now when the Holy Spirit comes to reveal the truth of God's Word, He's always going to point you to the cross for there is where you have eyes to see what is written. Can I put it very simply? Most may not like it, but it's a fact and those that refute it are off track and not even really walking with the Lord. And that's just the way it is. I can prove that with the scriptures, but they can't prove I'm wrong with the scriptures. Because the Bible is about Jesus. He is our righteous Lord, Lord of righteousness. And all God's words are in righteousness and the righteousness of God is only revealed by truth spoken, Proverbs 12, 17, and Proverbs, I'm sorry, Romans 1, 16 and 17, the gospel. So we need to say these things as teachers and preachers so that the people of God can literally be equipped for the work of the ministry when they leave the teaching, the service, whatever they were in, or when you personally are in your Bible study. You'll know it's the Lord teaching you and more than just you reading something because when He's teaching you truth, you're allowing Him to give you, impart to you, engraft the Word into your soul. That daily bread that we desperately need, you'll know because when He's speaking truth to you, as Jesus said, when He comes, the Holy Spirit that is, He's going to reveal truth to you. If He's revealing truth to you, righteousness is being portrayed. Proverbs 12, 17, write that down. Make a note, highlight that in your Bible. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. If it's truth... It's going to show forth righteousness. And we need to say these things as ministers so the people of God just won't leave confused and they will always know that I heard the gospel today. No matter where that preacher was preaching from, if he's pointing to Calvary, he's being led of the Spirit. And there the Holy Spirit can cause God's Word to literally be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God's Word cannot light up the path of God's will for your life unless your faith is in the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we are here today. We are in Romans chapter 2, as I said. We are in part 9. And where we will begin today is in verse 17. But I always like to back up and... the the scripture that we stopped at last and start there so we can just kind of crank up where we were last session. So uh, Romans chapter 2 verse 16, the Bible says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. In the last session we talked about, well, isn't that quite arrogant of Paul to say God's going to judge or Jesus is going to Rather, let's get this right this morning. God is going to judge by Jesus Christ, His Son, according to my gospel, Paul said. That's that's quite an arrogant statement. Some would say, well, no, it's not. It's a confident statement. But I want you to know it's the secrets of men. What's in the men's hearts that nobody knows about but them and God, all going to be judged by God through Jesus Christ, but according to the gospel that Paul preached. And Paul preached the gospel, the message of the cross. The message of the cross is, listen, really the bottom line why the cross is so much of an offense is because it reveals what's in our hearts. When we hear that God only works in truth, Psalms 33, 4, and that all God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8, and that righteousness is only revealed in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17, and, and that righteousness is only obtained by a human being through faith in the gospel, which is the sacrifice of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. When we hear this narrow way it, 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 and that God's not working outside of that except to uh, present a wrath from heaven to oppose all that would try to get to him and, 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 and work and call it the works of God outside of that arena... It's very offensive after being in the ministry 40, 50 years and then realize I've been preaching, teaching God's Word out of context. It would take humility, such as Paul found. Such as Paul found. We got lots of people today calling themselves apostles and prophets and all sorts of things using the Word of God. But are they preaching? the message of the cross. I used to be in a church where if an evangelist came to town, we knew he was going to preach the gospel. Nobody came to church. Now if a prophet came to town, you couldn't get enough chairs in there because everybody wanted a personal word from God. Here's your personal word right here, my friend. This is the personal word God has for you. This is God's personal word He has for you. And when you get out involved in all this other flaked out charismania stuff that leads you away from what we have, what we know, this more sure word of prophecy. Mm. And By the way, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Not the testimony of what Jesus is going to do, the testimony of Jesus. Amen. Not you trying to tell me what Jesus is going to do, but God. God's Word telling me what Jesus has done, is doing, and is going to do. Hallelujah. And if, and if whoever is trying to prophesy in the name of the Lord is outside of these Scriptures, and that means he's not pointing to the cross, and he's not of God. And we need to understand that. Let me say this again this morning. The reason the cross is an offense is because it pushes out. It eliminates all the works of men. We're not saved by works, yet men use the Bible to try to prove that we have to work for salvation. They turn right around and do it. Mark 16, 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believes not shall be condemned. Then they use that scripture. Now listen to me. They use the Bible to try to prove we're saved by a work we do. Isn't that something? Either we're saved by works or we're not saved by works. Works are what we're found walking in after we're born again. Think about that. Works don't get us in. Works are what we're involved in after we're in through faith in Christ. pretty powerful, isn't it? This is the reason, and let me say it. I might have said it the last session, but it's okay. There are ministries today. There are Christian people today who are ripping what Paul wrote out of the Bible. There's a church right down the road in Texarkana. I was told by a minister that they've taken Romans out of the Bible, and I, and I and I hear that there's a movement out there that. Christians are taking things out of the Word of God that Paul wrote, saying he, what he taught contradicted what Jesus taught, and, 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 and so there, he didn't have the revelation quite that we have today. Listen, if Paul, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, said that the secrets of men are going to be judged by God through Jesus Christ according to my gospel, I think we better let the Bible alone. I think we better just thank God that he approached Paul through his son Christ and sent him to us Gentiles. We better be praising God and even in our confusion and our lack of understanding, if we just go back to Calvary, we'd find ourselves being grateful for everything that the Lord gave Paul to write to us Gentile people. And that leads us right into where we are today. He says in verse 17 here, Behold, you're called a Jew. And rest us in the law, and make your boast of God, and knowest his will, and approve the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. You therefore which teach another, teach thou not thyself." You that preach a man should not steal, do you steal? You that say a man should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You that abhorrest idols, do you commit sacrilege? You that make your boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. For circumcision verily profits if you keep the law. But if you be a breaker of the law, your circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision, the Gentiles who are not circumcised, keep the righteousness, the righteousness of the law, shall not their uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge you who by the letter and circumcision do transgress the law. Because he is not a Jew which is one outwardly neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh but he is a Jew which is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not of the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. Now first question that comes to our mind reading this I thought Paul was called of the Gentiles. It sounds to me like he's addressing Jews. Why is that? And it's an easy answer. There were Jewish believers and Gentile believers mixed up together in Rome. And there was a conflict, apparently. And really, we really aren't sure how. The church in Rome began. Paul didn't start it, but he desperately wanted to go. He, he lets us know that in the beginning of the letter. I, I Pray for me that I might have a prosperous journey there to you. Look at what he says back in ver- chapter 1, verse 11. Chapter 1, verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is... By the way, charismania people, don't run off with that and make it what you want it to mean. The Holy Spirit says, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, faith that comes by hearing the word that Paul would bring, listen, now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto, I was hindered that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. So here in chapter 2 we see Paul talking directly to Jewish Christians. We see that the letter is written to this church in Rome, apparently having both Jew and Gentile, but there's a conflict. Paul wants to come and have fruit among the Gentiles there as he has other Gentiles, but there's, but there's conflicts here in Rome. And Paul doesn't uh, say when he writes this letter, to the church that be in Rome, let's look, look back at, and look at that. These things are interesting to me when we begin to dig down and, and see the importance of uh, when Paul wrote this letter to the this church or these churches, plural, in Rome that had both Jew and Gentile believers and and, you know we don't really don't know how this church got started. One of the best uh, uh, thoughts on that to me is how we can read in the book of uh, Acts how that there were at Pentecost there were people there from Rome that probably were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and 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 went back to Rome and, and, and that somehow the Lord started the church there. But we're really unsure of all that, but there was a church in Rome. Paul had not been, desperately wanted to go, and Paul began to write this letter. And just let me say something about that before we dig into the Jewish-Gentile conflict, that the letter to the Romans, the, the, those that... Well, let's look here. In, in verse 7 of chapter 1, to all that be in Rome, to all that be in Rome not just to the churches, but to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he writes this letter. And this is the most profound letter in the New Testament, really, when it comes to the unfolding of the redemptive plan of God. The Lord Jesus Christ himself called set Paul the Apostle, Apart, called unto us Gentiles and it's just a profound thing that God used the apostle Paul in the way that he did and he unfolded to him the revelation of the cross the revelation of church order the revelation of church gifts all to this man who had at one point persecuted the church didn't believe in Christ That just goes to show that no matter how horrible you've acted toward the church, no matter how many bad things you've done, how many bad things you've said against that which is true, if you'll repent today and just accept Christ as believer and follow Him, the Lord can use you to change the world, change your entire family, change your entire workforce. Hallelujah. That's good news. Doesn't matter if you've imprisoned Christians or whatever you've done in the past. And here's why. God is not looking at our past to determine what He's going to do in for and through us. He's looking to see if we'll just believe in the one he sent, Jesus Christ, and follow him. And that's all he's looking for. And when he sees that faith, he will bless and use and strengthen and empower and mature you in the things that he's called you to walk in, praise God. That's good stuff. Hallelujah, that's good stuff. So and, and we can we, we we always have to talk about Romans. People that would rip out the book of Romans and other things that Paul wrote. They do that under the influence of the spirit of Antichrist. And this is why. Paul is the one the Lord gave the revelation of what crushed the devil's head. The Lord gave Paul the revelation of the cross. What really happened there? Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. Chapter 6 shows us how that sin no longer has to dominate us here and now because we're not under law but under grace, that we can reckon ourselves dead to sin. We can know that we've been baptized, immersed into the death of Jesus, raised up in newness of life. We've been crucified with Him. Glory to God. These things weren't known by Peter and and John and, and the other apostles, the other disciples. They were preaching Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came as the Lamb of God. People were being saved. but until the Lord gave Paul the revelation of the cross. What really happened there? That in the death of Jesus, the enemy had the power of death stripped away from him. Hebrews 2 and 14. Glory to God. I'm telling you what, the Lord gave, when the Lord gave the apostle Paul the revelation of the cross, it was meant by the Lord for the whole church everywhere, all that he could reach to grab a hold of this revelation. The church in Jerusalem never really did accept this. They thought Paul was... There was always this conflict. You study it on your own. I guarantee it. You can't get around it. You'll find it. There was a conflict between James and even though he wrote the book of James under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and it makes no difference. We're, we're all able to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. and and And... And when Jerusalem rejected this message that Paul had been given by Jesus Christ, eventually, I believe it, and I believe you can find it in the Scriptures, because they never fully accepted the teaching of Paul and the revelation of the depth of what happened at Calvary, at least the depth that the Lord gave the apostle so that we could know how to be saved, how to live saved in victory. They never really accepted that. They just said, go ahead, Paul. Go go get the Gentiles, Paul, and tell the Gentiles that they just shouldn't do this, this, and this. But we are Jewish Christians, and there was still that conflict. and That's what we're talking about today, Jewish and Gentile conflict in the church in Rome. And because they never accepted that, you'll find that the Lord moved the light from Jerusalem to Antioch. Light rejected will be light taken. You need to always know that. The the Christians today in this second great reformation that we're in as a church, the first one 500 years ago when the Lord began to deal with Martin Luther that we're not justified by works. We're only justified, saved, and born again. We're only right with God by faith alone in Christ Jesus. And 22, 21 years ago, the Lord began to deal with Brother Swaggart in Baton Rouge. It doesn't matter if you don't like him, if you don't like me. Lots of people didn't like Luther. And they missed out on the truth just because they didn't like a man. They liked their religion. They liked their socialism in the church. Socialism, I call it, just social groups. It's still socialism more than they like the truth. And we're in our second reformation. I'm telling you, now we're learning that we're sanctified by faith and not works. Hallelujah. What What a truth that God is bringing his people out. Glory to God. But there was a conflict then. There's, there's, there's still a conflict. There will always be conflict, even in the church, until Jesus Christ comes. I know we like to hear uh, people quote that Jesus is coming for a spotless bride. He's coming for a spotless bride, and that he is. But you need to hear me. If you're born again, you've been cleansed and washed by the blood. Glory to God. If you think that he's coming for a spotless bride means that he's not coming until the church is is spotless in their actions, their deeds, their thoughts, that means he ain't never coming. <laughs> oh, because we always are going to be flawed. The work he's doing is a perfect work, and we're being perfected, being conformed into that image until we see him in the clouds, then it will be a complete work, hallelujah, in in experience. Mm-hmm. I know there are teachers out there to say we're already complete in Christ. Yes, we are, but He's at the right hand of the Father. Glory to God. And I know we're in Him at the right hand of the Father, but we also are here on the earth a sanctifying work. You need to hear that today. So there was a conflict in the church in Rome between Jewish and Gentiles, and He directly speaks here to the Jewish Christians who are in Rome. Even though He's called to the Gentiles. He's speaking to the Jews. And they're, 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 Paul addresses the Jews here. We see what we just read. And he also addresses the Gentiles. Look over at chapter 11 in this great letter to the Romans. Chapter 11, verses 13, th- verse 13. Watch this. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office and we've already read Romans 13 how the apostle Paul says that he wants he's writing to Rome the churches in Rome he doesn't call them churches in Rome but that's who he's writing to to all that be saints called to be saints of God and he's writing to these Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians, and whether they're in the same groups or they're separated, and they got Jewish Christians over here in the old grocery store, and, and they got uh, uh, Gentile Christians over here in the old sporting goods store that went out of business, and now they're meeting. You know, I'm trying to bring today's world into this, but they're meeting in homes more than likely, and they may be all mixed up together, or they may be, but they got conflict going on. Because Paul is flat out telling the Jewish folks, you're still trying to put the law on the Gentiles that you can't keep yourself. You're trying to teach them like they're blind, but you're living like you're blind. You're trying to teach them not to do this and not to do that, but you're doing it. And, and, and that's, that's what he's saying right here in this letter to them. And, and he says in verse 23, you that make your boast of the law through breaking the law, you're dishonoring God. Here's what happens to everybody who's trying to live under the law. We do the same thing. We we boast. See, that's that's what brings the offense of the cross because it removes our boasting in anything we do. It's not even the works that we're doing today. Jesus created the world. He redeemed. He will redeem all that will be redeemed through what He did, His work on the cross. And any work being done today is by Jesus through His Spirit in us. Now see, we really don't like that in all honesty. We want credit for something. And we need to see the Scriptures in their light and we'll see that the Lord is giving us credit by rewarding us for allowing Him to do the work in and through us. Amen. That's why he gave us the measure of faith. Romans twelve three gave us a me- the measure of faith so that we could think soberly and-, and realize that it's all by his mercy, all by his grace. And it's why he gave the message of the cross, the revelation of that message to Paul so that we could learn how to let him work in and through us through our faith in the cross. This is powerful. And when we boast in the law, we're boasting in ourselves like we're keeping it, but we're not keeping it. Because in God's eyes, if we kept all nine commandments but we broke one, God says if you're a lawbreaker, it don't matter which one you broke, you're a lawbreaker. And the only one who's ever kept the law is Christ. No one else can keep the law. Today we don't even keep the law. Christ, our faith in Him allows God to see us as law keepers, but again, it's not just Christ working to create the worlds Christ moving through the generations of men to keep the world in order and to bring a greater revelation of himself and then appearing one day to carry out the works that had been finished before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Romans um, Hebrews 4 tells us that. But he shows up to do the work. The Bible says at the end of the ages and if it was the end of the ages when he came, where are we now? And then he was resurrected from the dead to be the mediator of this new covenant. That means it's still him at work. He said, you can't do anything without me, John 15, 5. You can't do anything, no thing without me. That means unless he's doing it, it's just us. And there comes the offense of the cross. And see, if our faith is not in the cross, the only place righteousness comes to us initially and lays before us the path of righteousness to walk in and allows the fruits of righteousness to be bare in and through us. It's his righteousness. If it's not that, then it's self-righteousness. Get it? Maybe we've not thought about self-righteousness as it ought to be thought about. And that's what he's dealing with here, talking to these Jewish Christians among the Gentile Christians. And it's not like the Gentile Christians have it all going for them either. But he's at this point, he's directly focusing on these Jewish Christians who are still hung up in the law. It's not easy to let things go, my friend. Matter of fact, most of the church today is not going to let go of what they've held dearly to all these years, just like the Pharisees, just like the Sadducees, just like the religious leaders in Jesus' day. Most of them did not let go to grab lay hold upon Him. And this reformation that we're in, God bringing His church back to faith and grace, true faith and grace, faith in the cross. If we're not willing to let go of relationships, let go of things we've taught, throw the CDs away, burn them. Listen, I remember when I I was keeping all that stuff I used to teach and had DVDs and, and the things we had, VHS back then we had. And one day the Lord told me, what are you keeping all that for? What if somebody gets in here, your grandkids, your great grandkids one day, what are you keeping that for? You've not been preaching and teaching the truth. That's wrong doctrine. You're laying out really in a subtle way you're laying out law because if you're not pointing to Calvary using the Word, you're preaching what will only allow folks to be self-work, self-righteous. And we need to talk about that more because if we're boasting in what we're doing instead of what Christ did, then we're boasting in our self-righteousness and that's just the way it is. And that's what's going on here. And this is something we need to cover more. Maybe in the next session we'll talk more about this because not only did he write this letter not just to Gentiles, but to both. There's a conflict going on here. And, and, and notice what we're reading about right now. The conflict is coming in from those who had held to the law. Think about this. That's where the conflict is as we're reading right now. It's by those who have held dear to something that they're not letting go. And even though it was at one time the avenue which God moved, and let me tell you something, folks. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. And and, and God didn't just change the way He did everything. God just brought a deeper revelation of what He's always been doing. That's why Jesus said, You've heard that it's been written, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, I tell you, even if you lust in your heart after another you've committed. He just brings the deeper revelation to where God really works is based on what the heart is believing and not the actual works that are carried out. That The works are just a result of the heart. That's why it's with the heart men believe unto righteousness through faith in Christ and Him crucified every day or it's with the heart we believe as self-righteous people. And I don't want to be caught up in that because that self-righteousness is only there because of pride that rejects the work of Christ. And I know you're listening to me today, and you're a pastor, and you've got years, and, and you've even had the thought, what if I did start going this way that I'm hearing that I know is right? I would lose all that I had, the apostle Paul, to be used by God in the way God had called him to be used. He had to get to the place where he counted everything done. He realized they weren't going to like him. He just gave up everything for the sake of the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I just want to be used of God. I don't want to show up at the judgment seat of Christ and have to give an answer as to why I was more attached to relationships than I was the truth more attached to a financial income than I was the truth. God, help us as pastors and ministers today. We're praying for you. Until next time, I pray you to avail yourself to all the teachings here on my YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Just hit the playlist. You'll find the Romans teaching, the Galatians teaching. Let's learn the Word of God together as we become determined to know nothing other than Christ in Him crucified. God bless you. See you next time.